When I think about First Church, I think about a people who love Jesus and love like Jesus. Sometimes people wonder why we do what we do, why we give so generously, why we love those everyone else avoids, why we seek those everyone else ignores, why we dance when no one else hears the music, why we stick together when everyone else is so divided, why we show compassion in a world full of injustice. The answer is simple. It's because of Jesus. He's changed the way we see everything. He's the reason why we live. The answer is simple. Jesus is why. Hey, good morning, church. Hey, right now we have uh, family joining us from our Stone Canyon campus, as well as others who will be joining us later online. Would you welcome them in, into our time together here this morning? Good to have you with us. Woo! All right. Um, hey, uh, and by the way, Chad is uh, out at our Stone Canyon campus this morning. Kentucky did not lose. Just wanted to... Uh, somebody said I need to point that out this morning, so there you go. But uh, anyway, uh, and just a little housekeeping things before we uh, get on with the message. Uh, Easter is coming up, and, uh, and, and hopefully you found an invitation card as you came in this morning, or, or maybe you got one handed to you, or if you, if you didn't, get one before you leave. But those are not for you. All right, those are for you to take with you to give to somebody else, and so we encourage you to do that. If you have a place of uh, business where you can take a stack of them and, and put them out on the counter, you can do that, or, or just use them to, to get the word out about what's happening here at First Church this Easter as we celebrate. And a part of that, we are asking you to go on mission with us as uh, we are expecting big crowds, and uh, here at our North Garnett campus, we're going to be having an 8 o'clock service as we typically do, but this year, we are especially asking that we can get 400 people from our 9:30 and 11 services to move to that eight o'clock service to make room for more people in the other two services for guests in those two services and so man we would love for you to take that make it a little mission trip type of a deal all right and uh, show up at eight o'clock and celebrate Easter with us then and uh, we'd love for you we need you to let us know about that you can go onto the app and and uh, click on the Easter information you can find a place where you can sign up for the service you're wanting to attend and let us know what service you're going to and especially that eight o'clock service and especially kids we need to know that we have children uh, coming or what how many kids are coming so we can be prepared for uh, the children in our ec and our elementary on that uh, that day on april 21st for easter all right so let us know but uh, again step up to the call go to eight o'clock we're gonna have we're gonna have special prizes for everybody that comes to the eight o'clock service We'll come up with something. Anyway, um, but we, uh, we need, to, need you there. All right. And uh, other than that, hey, um, yes, lots of great stuff happening here. Let's dive into the message. Last week, we started a new ser series called Jesus is Why. Chad launched us into this by talking about Jesus is why we are different. So now we all have an excuse. <laughs> Let us sink in. All right, there you go. All right, this week, we're going to be talking about Jesus is why we serve. Jesus is why we serve. Just a couple of weeks ago, over spring break, 53 of us students and adults got to go to Acuna, Mexico on a missions trip. And you, many of you have been hearing about that. We've been talking about it for several months leading up to it. Many of you uh, helped with it. You donated items that went to the families, or maybe you donated financially towards the trip, or, or maybe you prayed for the trip. If, you, if that was one of you, we thank you for being a part of that trip with us. Yes, you can applaud yourselves, everybody. 
Yes, it was so cool, really, to watch our church rally around this trip, probably more so than any other trip we've done in the past. It was just so cool to see how many people wanted to help, wanted to be a part of it. And so that meant so much for, I know, for ourselves as leaders, but I think for the whole team going, knowing that we had a church family behind us that was just on board and praying and a part of it with us. That was, that was awesome. But we had an incredible time while we were down there and uh, exciting time. We want you to get just a little glimpse of what we got to experience down there. So check this out. most impactful part of the trip for me is probably just driving through the streets seeing how like it is compared to America it's a lot more like broke down but all the kids still look like they're having the best times of their lives the most impactful part of the trip for me so far has probably been well obviously we're building houses for people uh, who really need it but how grateful they are for how and how little they have and how happy they are to see something new the most impactful part of the trip personally has been whenever we were building the houses and at lunchtime the family would actually come and like bring us food and serve us and it just kind of showed me how even though like we were the ones like we came here to help them that they like still felt the need to help us and like serve us and it was just really great to see that kind of attitude in people that don't have very much I think the most impactful part of the trip is seeing the families be so thankful but yet want to give so much for us when we're trying to give it to them a bunch of friends just said it was going to be a great time and i was like i'm always down for a great time baby and it was a great time
I'm always down for a great time, baby. Yeah. Anyway, um, hey, if you went on the trip and uh, you're here this morning, would you just stand up where you're at, all of our team members who went, just so you all see who all we're talking about? Yep. Good job, team. Good looking group. Hey, we, uh, we got some students we can be proud of and, and uh, uh, we loved uh, being able to go. John O'Ori actually made that video, put that together for us, one of our students. And so, uh, yeah, did awesome. So, appreciate that. <laughs> you want to come up and speak this morning? Do a... <laughs> no, never mind. He'll do it. Anyway, hey, uh, no, you go on a trip like this, and, and we went to serve three families, build these three houses for these families, and, but the impact goes way beyond just those three families. As you got to see in the video, it, the impact is definitely on us as, as uh, team members who get to go, our students and adults, as you go into the place like that, and especially for the first-timers who go into to a place like that, and their eyes are open to really the reality of being in a country like that and seeing uh, poverty like that and recognizing the blessing that we have to be here where we are. And, uh, and so there's definitely that element of it. And just seeing, as, as you heard in the testimony of, of the, the families there wanting to serve us and bring us meals, one of our teams, uh, their family actually brought tables out and lined up the tables and, and wanted the team to sit down to eat with them. Usually, usually they'll just kind of drop off the food and we eat on tailgates, you know, as we're kind of keep on working. And they wanted to stop and eat together and fellowship together. And that, that was a huge thing. And so you get to, you have that impact that happens on our team as we get to go down and, and experience that. But also there's another impact on the, on the neighborhood, on the community there where we are serving because those neighbors are, are driving by, they're walking by, they want to see what's happening. And you got to know that there are uh, ministers, pastors in those communities that Casas Per Cristo, the ministry that we work with, that those ministers and pastors are there in the community, they're on the, on the ground there and reaching into those neighborhoods. And, and, and so uh, they're doing legwork in there. And so when we come in, when a team comes in, most of the neighborhood, they know what's happening. They know the Jesus people showed up, all right? And they're, they're here. We're there to, to build houses. We're there to make an impact for Jesus. And, and so they're watching. They're constantly walking by and looking and seeing what's going on and seeing the progress. And so there, there's a huge impact way beyond just the families uh, that we go and serve. And, and it's exciting to be a part of that. Again, thank you to so many of you who, who helped and, and make that, uh, helped make that happen. But what you see in our students and our adults who go, as these teams go down there, you see a servant heart. And what you really see is the heart of Jesus. Over in Philippians chapter 2, Paul over there, the Apostle Paul, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the attitude of Jesus and saying, hey, our attitudes as followers of Jesus ought to be like Jesus, all right? And then he begins to describe Jesus to some extent. And there in verse 7 of Philippians chapter 2, he talking about Jesus, he said that he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in likeness of men. He emptied himself. Whenever he left glory, like we sang about this morning, when he left glory to come to this earth, he, he came in the form of a servant. Not a great king, not great authority by any means, but no, as a servant. Lowered himself to that humble state. He set the example for us of what it is to serve. Jesus came to serve. Matthew chapter 20, Jesus himself says there that he came to serve, not to be served. Jesus came to serve, and Jesus is why we serve. And so there's a few things as followers of Jesus that I want us just to kind of unpack a little bit about this whole idea of serving. Starting with this, 
We are saved to serve. If you are a follower of Jesus today, if you have, have received Him, placed your faith in Him, been baptized in Him, and you've said, yep, I'm, I'm following Him today, you were saved for a purpose. You were saved to serve. So let's unpack that a little bit. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Paul, there again, the Apostle Paul, writing a letter to the church there in Ephesus. He says this, for we are His workmanship. You've probably heard this verse if you're a follower. You've heard this, that term workmanship. Maybe your version says handiwork, or maybe another one might say masterpiece, all right? We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. That's what we're created for in this transformative life that we're in as He's creating in us, transforming us into His image and His likeness. He's creating us for this purpose of good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in in them. You see, we, we, when we signed up to follow Jesus, we signed up to be a part of His mission. We signed up to be a part of His work to expand His kingdom to make a difference in this world. We signed up to be like Jesus. We signed up to serve. And as we continue to be transformed, as He continues to create in us more Jesus then we become quite naturally servants like Jesus was as we do good works for others around us. And he ends this phrase, this, this uh, verse with this little phrase, that we should walk in them. And the idea is this, that God expects us to walk in these good works, to, to live a life of good works, to live a life of servanthood. That's what we're being created for. That's what we're being transformed into as God creates this masterpiece within each one of us with our abilities, with our gifts. He's creating within us this heart of serving. We were saved to serve. Saved people serve people. Say that with me. Saved people serve people. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're being created to do in Jesus. And together we work to further His kingdom and to make His hope and His love known to the world around us. Again, Paul, we've already looked at a couple of scriptures that he wrote. Paul, if you know his story, you know where he came out of. You know that he had a very dramatic, life-changing experience from this old life to this new life and on that road to Damascus. And so he, he talked about that often, and he would talk about this new life concept for believers, especially for, for those who were coming out of the Jewish lifestyle. He was trying to help them wrap their minds around this new life that, that we have as followers of Jesus. And in Romans chapter 6, he spends quite a bit of time on that, 6 and 7. That's where we're going to be at. If you have your Bibles, get there. That's where we're going to park for a little while here. But in Romans chapter 6, he begins there uh, by talking about the salvation that we have uh, in Christ and receiving Christ in baptism, where he talks about that, that, we were, uh, that we were buried with him in his death and rose to a new life in him, the beautiful picture of baptism. And then he spends the rest of chapter 6 unpacking this new life that we have in him, that we're no longer slaves to sin, we're no longer under the law. And we move from an I have to religion to an I want to relationship in Jesus. And then you come to chapter 7, and he continues to clarify more and more what this new life looks like. And when it, within this new 
way of living, within this new life we find in Christ, we find that there is a new way of serving. You see, for some, you're kind of born with this natural instinct to want to serve. You, you're just kind of born to put others first. You just want to do that, okay? And, and, and that's awesome. It's just kind of how you're wired. For others, not so much. We're a little more self-centered. We like to be served, you know. And whichever camp you're in, it, it, it's okay because once you come to Jesus, He's going to transform you one way or another. He's either going to take that servant mindset that you already have and transform it for His purpose, or He's going to take your selfish heart that you kind of always had, and He wants to transform that into becoming a, a servant heart. So it doesn't really matter which one you're coming from. When you come to Jesus, he's wanna, He wants to transform you. He wants to change the way you serve. He wants to give you a new way to serve. And I, I think there's new, two, new, two things that Paul points out to us here, Romans chapter 7. And the first thing is this, we serve with a new purpose. We serve with a new purpose. Look at verse 4 with me. And following, likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. He begins by just saying, likewise. When he says likewise, he's saying, he's pointing back what he just got through talking about. What did he just get through talking about? He just got through talking about uh, if a woman's husband dies, she is no longer bound to that covenant of marriage that she was under because he's died. Now she's set free from that. And he says, likewise, when you die, when, when you die to yourself and you rise to this new life, you're no longer bound to that old way of living, that old covenant of law giving, law obeying. No, you've got this new life of freedom. So likewise, you're free so that you may belong to another. Well, who's that? Jesus. All right, there's a little Sunday school answer. Throw that in there, all right? Jesus, all right? Because then he defines it, all right? You belong to another. You belong to Jesus now. And, and let me make sure you don't miss this. To him who has been raised from the dead. That's kind of the way that you, they'd point out which, who, what Jesus they were talking about. It was Jesus. You know, the one that just while back rose from the dead. You know, you've heard the stories. He's the, one, he's the one that came back to life, all right? That was the, the, the catalytic moment in Jesus' story, in Jesus' ministry. That everything pointed towards and what everybody came to him. Well, you know, if he can rise from the dead, I'm, I'm in. I follow him. And so he says, that's the one who we belong to, the one who rose from the dead. In order that, interesting, those three little words, in order that, were the same three little words that he used over in Chapter 6, when he's talking about baptism, dying to the old self, in order that we may raise to a new life. Now he says, in order that we, we died and now we are under the ownership of Jesus, in order that we may bear fruit for God. Now that we are in Christ, now that we are following Him, now that we are under His ownership, we belong to Him. Now our lives should produce good fruit, fruit to God. Well, what's that? 
Well, I think maybe there's twofold there. We can go to, over to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit and, and that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, all those things that, that should be just naturally coming out of our life as a follower of Jesus. As we become more and more surrendered to His Spirit in us, those things should be coming out of us in our life. That's the fruit of the Spirit. But beyond that, I believe what our life produces in the lives of others can be considered good fruit too. As we serve others, as we reach out to others, as we take the gospel to others, and they follow Jesus, that's good fruit. That's what our life should be producing as we follow Him. Good fruit. Opposed to... The old fruit, the old way of living. Verse 5 is where he just reminds them, hey, here's what you came out of. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. That's all our life could produce before Jesus. Oh, we could serve and we could do things that were good, but it didn't have the same purpose that we have now under Jesus. It, it, it made us feel good. To go serve. It, it made the other person feel loved, but it's not the same purpose. The end result is still death. That's the only thing our life could produce. You see, we're in this life, the fact is this we're going to serve something or we're going to serve someone. And the list goes on of all the things that we serve. We serve our families, we serve our careers, we serve. Just go down a list of the things that we allow to sit on the throne of our, our life, become our gods, our money, our possessions. We're going to serve some way. Bob Dylan put it this way, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And so the question is, who are you serving today? If it's not Jesus, we'll choose something. And today, my challenge to you, is to serve Him, to follow Him. Mother Teresa is one that probably, I'm sure many of you know, though she died in 1997, many of you heard her story, Nobel Peace Prize winner with all her work for the poor in Calcutta and, uh, and, and just her impact, global impact uh, of Mother Teresa. On one occasion in an interview, she said this about why she served. She says, I see Jesus in every human being. I say to myself, this is hungry Jesus, I must feed him. This is sick Jesus, this one has leprosy or gangrene, I must wash him and tend to him. I serve because I love Jesus. And we too are to serve, propelled by our love for Jesus. What does God want you to do with your gifts in this world? It may not win you a Nobel Peace Prize. It may not be something you consider very significant, but it might be very significant to one or two or a few who you're willing to give yourself for, to serve, so that they can see Jesus in you. We were saved to serve. And we serve with new purpose to bear fruit for God. But not only do we serve and have a new purpose for serving, but also we serve with new power. We serve with new power. 
Now, you might ask, what was the old power? Okay, if we have a new power, what was the old power? Well, that would be that self-will. Remember in this text, Romans 7, he's primarily talking to, to Jewish believers, and, and he's reminding them of what they came out of, this law system and all these laws, 600 plus laws to, to live by. Like, Here's the laws, good luck. <laughs> hope, you, hope you can obey some. Here's 10. Can you even do that? No. Nope. Well, mm. But now we're under this new way of living and this, with this new power. Verse 6, Romans chapter 7 says this, But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Not in the old way, not in the way of the law where you just do your best. Hope you can get there. Now it's a whole new way with the Spirit of God in us. The Holy Spirit of God who empowers us and leads us in this life. Jesus over in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, right whenever he's talking to his disciples, Jesus is about to ascend into heaven and he's given his disciples one last charge before, before he leaves to, to go and, and to take the gospel into the world. And he tells them this there in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's telling them the Spirit's going to come, and you're going to be empowered to do what God's called you to do, to go and take the gospel around this world. And that's what we see happening. When you watch Pentecost, and you see what happens there, and you continue to watch through the book of Acts as, as the Spirit moves and the power comes, and, and the church moves and grows, and the kingdom advances, and there's power. And that same spirit that is promised to them is given to us. And we have that power within us to make a difference in this world. We're gifted by God. If you go on in the book of Romans, you go to chapter 12. There, Paul, he gives a list of some of the gifts that are given by the Spirit of God. There in, in chapter 12, verse 6 through 8, he says this, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If, if it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is, if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, this is not an exhaustive list of gifts. Matter of fact, there's a number of other places where gifts are listed, and none of them are considered to be the exhaustive list of all the gifts. I think there, we see people use their gifts all the time here today that the Bible doesn't talk about, but, but it's still, I believe, gifts from God. And I believe there's several different ways we receive gifts. I think for the most part, most of us are born with God-given gifts. You, it's just something that seems to come naturally to you. And so we would consider that not just an ability that you're lucky enough to get, but a gift from God so that when God grabs a hold of your life and transforms you, that gift is now repurposed and used for His kingdom and His purpose. Others, as we read about in the New Testament, when they received the Holy Spirit, when they received Christ, baptized into Him, and had the promised Holy Spirit, Acts 2.38, we, we see that some receive a gift at that time, a specific gift from the Spirit of God. Doesn't happen very often. Does it still happen today? I think so, but not a whole lot. But however you 
received your gift or gifts. It's from God for God's purpose. He created you. He's molding you to use those gifts for His kingdom advancement. Peter talks about it over in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 in his letter there to, to the church that was suffering from persecution. There he, he's encouraging them. He says, each one should use whatever gift he has received for what purpose? To serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Each one of you should use whatever gift he has received. He does not say, if you received a gift, use it for this reason. No, no, no. It's not if. It's use it because you got it. What gift has God given you? Use it for his purpose. So what is serving look like? What does serving Jesus look like? It looks like taking the gifts that God has given us, has given you, and using it to advance His kingdom, to make a difference in this world for His kingdom, to use them in your context, in your life, where God has planted you with the people who are around you, to use those gifts to reach out to others who are around you in your life, at your, in your home, at, at your work on your team in your class and your wherever you find yourself your context of living where and, and doing using those gifts to make Jesus known through serving others and reaching out to others interesting when you look through that list of gifts back there in Romans chapter 12 we read about every one of them has to do with helping others And so we use those gifts, the gifts that God's given us in our own context, but also on a larger context, we use them within the body of Christ, within His church. You see, His church, capital C, church, is His plan to reach the world. Do you hear me? You and me, we are His plan to reach the world, to reach the lost. And it starts here in our community of Owasso and then surrounding communities and then into northeast Oklahoma and then around the world. We're called to make a difference. We're called to use our gifts through our local body of believers, our family here at First Church. We together bring our gifts into this place and use them to reach more and more people. As people come through our doors, as, people, as we interact with people out in our communities, we want to do all that we can to serve them, to reach them, and help them to connect with Jesus. That's the call that's been placed upon us. To use our gifts for His purpose. Followers of Jesus are saved to serve with new purpose and new power to advance God's kingdom. Captain Charlie Plum fought in the Vietnam War. He flew a F-4 Tomcat uh, uh, jet, or Phantom jet, sorry. 74 successful missions over Vietnam he flew. Five days before he was to go home, he flew a 75th mission and he was shot down. He was captured, taken to a POW camp where he was tortured and abused and he was put in an eight foot by eight foot cell 
where he would spend his next 2,103 days, from the age of 24 to the age of 30, he was in a cell, tortured. Eventually, uh, war came to an end. Uh, prisoners were released. Some 500-plus POWs uh, were released, and they came back home. Their families were told by the government, don't expect them to be able to live at home. They're most likely, after all they've endured, are going to have to be institutionalized. And those 500-plus POWs proved them wrong, as many of them went on to be very successful. Matter of fact, 36% of soldiers coming out of Vietnam uh, experienced PTSD. Uh, out of the prisoners of war, 4%. And this obviously caused people to take uh, a look at these men who came out of those POW camps. How is it that they came out even stronger? And they even coined a new phrase. Instead of PTSD, they have PTG, post-traumatic growth. And so Captain Charlie Plum, he came back to America and he began to, uh, to speak and to share his story and, and to share his, uh, how he was able to endure and overcome uh, those 2,103 days in that camp. One day he was sitting in a restaurant and he noticed a gentleman across the restaurant kept looking at him and kept staring at him. Finally, the gentleman came across the restaurant and... and uh, said, you're, you're Captain Charlie Plum, aren't you? Yes, sir. You flew 74 successful missions over Vietnam, yeah? On your 75th one, you were shot down, yeah? You became POW for 2,103 days, yeah? And just kept on rattling through this list of facts about Charlie's life, and Charlie's just baffled. Stands to his feet, shakes his hand, okay, introduce himself, and how do you know all this about me? And the gentleman said, I packed your parachute. Charlie was taken aback. And he talks about how that moment really resonated in his life. As he was looking at this man who he didn't know, and in the time of battle, he didn't know, and this man was way behind, below him in rank, but yet the reason Charlie was standing there today is because that man packed his parachute. The gentleman standing there looking at Charlie, he, he says, well, I guess it worked. <laughs> but Charlie will go on, he shares this story across this nation and around the world, and he shares a story about that, in that moment, he began to think about all the people who have packed his parachute. Went way beyond just this man, but he began to think about parents and teachers and coaches and and the list goes on of all the people, some of which he didn't, like this man, didn't know their name, but they served in such a way that they impacted his life. Somebody is always packing your parachute. We see that around here. We've got a lot of parachute packers here at First Church. We have some that are, go way back. Matter of fact, we're here today because we had a lot of great parachute packers who, who really led the way, made it to where you and I today can sit in this place and we can be a part of this great church and be a part of this great mission. But still today, we've got a lot of great parachute packers. I mean, I think about right now, both of our campuses, we have uh, early childhood volunteers who are 
They're packing parachutes. They're, it, it looks like the form of changing diapers <laughs> and teaching our little ones that God loves them. They, they want to know from way at the beginning that God loves them. And they do that for those little ones. Those little ones might not remember their name. But they also do it for you, Mom and Dad. So you can sit in this place and you can hear a message from God. Same thing for our elementary. As we have parachute packers up there, they're teaching and they're leading and they're helping your young people grow. And they're also packing yours so you can be in here and you can grow at the same time. I think about our cafe volunteers. They show up here at our North Garnett campus at 7 a.m. setting up donuts and coffee and tea and everything else and getting it ready so that we can create an environment to where it's, it's warm and friendly and a place where people can come in and feel uh, welcomed and, and have, have a conversation. It's amazing what a cup of coffee will do for a conversation. <laughs> but they come in and they serve. You probably don't know their names, but they come and serve. Same with our greeters who want to make this a place that is welcoming and warm for anybody that comes through our doors, our ushers. Same thing, serve for you, for us. People on the stage, people running tech, you don't know their names, but they keep packing. And maybe you can think through your life and you can think of a lot of people who have been packing your parachute. You can go to parents and you can think of coaches and teachers and go down the list of all the people that have poured into your life over the years, friends, other parents. Sometimes it's good just to pause and think about them. Well, let me ask you this. Whose parachute are you packing? In what way are you using your gifts, your abilities to serve others, to help others, and maybe even save their life for eternity? Whose parachute are you packing? See, here's what I believe. Again, collectively as the body of Christ, as a church, we are on mission together to make a difference in this kingdom. But when we, as a follower of Jesus, as a believer, withhold our gifts, when we're not willing to do any packing, the church isn't as strong as it could be. We're missing out on what we could be doing. We need every one of us, to play our role, to use our gifts, to make a difference in this world. Now, if you think that this is a recruitment sermon and that I'm here to challenge you to get involved, you would be exactly right. <laughs> I wouldn't, I don't want to lose this opportunity. That's not what it's all about. We are to, to live this way, but as a church, we have so many opportunities for you to use your gifts to be on the team, to be a part of the mission. You are two clicks away. Open the app, top button, serve, fill it out, submit, you're in. Connection card right in front of you, in your seat at Stone Canyon. Next step, serve, we'll get with you. You can become a part of what God's doing. You can help us pack parachutes and grow the kingdom. Jesus is why we serve. Father in heaven, God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, we thank you for lives we continue to see being changed. 
God, help each one of us to recognize your call on us to be used by you to make a difference in this place and in our lives and the opportunities that you put in front of us to serve others. God, help us to be more like you. God, help us as we strive to build your kingdom and make you known in this world. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.